Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store, and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is the Storied Outdoors podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Well, welcome to the Storied Outdoors. My name is Brad Hill, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Brian Gill. We are so honored today to have Charles Martin, a husband to Christy, father, bow hunter, storyteller, novelist, New York Times bestseller, to join us again for a conversation on this podcast. Except this time, he's he's coming back, but he's joined now by his uh, two of his three sons, uh, Charlie and Reeves. Um, we want to talk some today, guys. I've heard and seen, I've followed, followed some of your adventures on social media in Alaska. You guys. Had some adventures, I know, in Alaska, and we want to hear about those. We want to talk about all kinds of things from biblical manhood to fatherhood. I likely, I'm sure, we'll talk about some fly fishing. But welcome back to the show, Charles, and welcome to the show, Charlie and Reeves. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, it's such an honor to have you guys on the show. Charles, it's so good to see you again. Charlie, nice to meet you. Uh, if, if I were to see you in a crowd, I would be able to say, hey, that's Charles Martin's son, or hey, that's Reeves Martin's son. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, Reeves Martin's uh, brother. <laughs> Hopefully, Reeves Martin does not have a son. No, that's a whole other podcast. Right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, good to see you again, Reeves. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I almost didn't expect to see you back at school again when I, whenever um, August rolled around and... Um, and I had, you know, you had been texting me a little bit during the summer. You know, uh, those of you that don't know, uh, Reeves is in a small group at our, it comes at our house every week and, um, you know, mm-hmm. hangs out with us sometimes. And my kids love to see him coming. My, my chocolate lab loves to see him come around. But uh, when he went away f- to Alaska for the summer, I didn't know if I was going to see him back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, um, you know, what were your expectations kind of going into that, that, that summer where, where you were in Alaska the whole time, Reeves? I honestly, I didn't really have any. Um, and I'll explain that. Charlie went out there the summer before and he had shared stories and, uh, told us all his epic adventures about bears and clients and, you know, flying and float planes. And I, to me, it was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. But then once I started considering actually going out there for the summer and Charlie tried explaining, to me, what my job would be. I just didn't have a perspective on that world and what it required from people who was working in that organization to do to make it operate. 
I just didn't have a good perspective. So my expectations were, okay, I'm going to go there, work nine to five every day, you know, have some time, go hang out, make a lot of friends. You know, it's going to be a really cool summer adventure. I'll work really hard, make some good money. Um, by about the first 24 hours, that it all got flipped on its head, and I was practically <laughs> drowning. You're practically drowning. Yes, sir. Um, it was, there was, I was learning so much. It's, it was like drinking through a fire hose. Um, there was a couple times where I called Charlie and he was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it. Low key kind of having a panic attack. Um, <laughs> how, how do I get through this? And I, he just, he just did the older brother thing where he gave that, you know, one line of wisdom, prayed for me, said he was proud of me. And that really made the difference, but expectations, I, it was, I had no expectations, honestly. And so you were, tell me, tell me what you did again while you were out there. You, you were working with a air, airport. Um, yes, sir. In a sense, I was working with the Alaskan style. And, I, and airport is a little loose term, right? <laughs> yes, He's sir. not down in Hartsville International. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely not in Atlanta. Um, so the way that uh, Charlie, I'm sure, cannot explain this better than I can, but the way a lodge operates is you have to fly by float plane or boat, everything that the lodge needs to run, everything from power to food to clients to input everything. Mm -hmm. So my job was that our main, uh, I, I worked in Ileana, Alaska, which is part of the Bristol Bay region and all of our freight and customers and mail and et cetera would come in through there, all the fuel and whatnot. I would pick it up in whatever quantity or, um, whatever was asked of me to grab and I would take it to our beach, stage it so that when a float plane landed, I could catch the plane, flip it, load it up and send them back to wherever lodge they were supposed to go. So my official term was aviation executive. <laughs> or there's some, uh, well, that's, or there's some more, well, that's loose, churched loose up. Terms. That's churched up right there. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. My non-official term was I was a ramper. I was doing grunt work, but okay. it was really cool grunt work. <laughs> there's there's another term that we we use, but we're gonna we we'll can't say it. keep it family friendly. That's that. the one that was coming <laughs> to my mind. Is <laughs> <laughs> a gopher? Go for this and yeah. go for that. Yep. Man, that's great. Uh, I have never, you know, we were talking pre-show. I've never been to Alaska, but I've been to other places in the world. Uh, I'm a pastor here in Mobile, Alabama, and one of my jobs is to uh, I lead. Uh, short-term mission trips all over the place where we work in the world as a church. And so I've gotten, I've had my fair share of, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to a place that I've never been. So I understand like, I, I'm not really sure what expectations to have going to a very wild place. It seems like still, like if I watch like Steve Rinella and the guys on meat eater, which is a great show and, and they do trips all the time to Alaska it seems still the way they portray it and the way it's portrayed on television, like an utterly like wild and untamed place. At, at least in my mind, that's what it feels like. It still is. Do you got, did you guys, while you were there over the course of your time there, have any encounters with large, large animals that desired to feast on you? Were there any like close calls or you're like, I'm glad we, we made it out. We made it out of that. And we didn't need this 357 Magnum that was on somebody's <laughs> chest. Before Charlie goes in and sounding like John Wick, I would just, <laughs> uh, 
I never saw a bear. So one of my requirements for going back next summer is that I get to see one. But Charlie was the bear, bear grills of Alaska. He'll have to get the bear grills. Um, in the first part of July, so the first week or two of July, the salmon come in. When the salmon come in, they release their oils into the water. Not quite their eggs, their oils, and that scent travels down the down the river. So the bears pick up on that and they start following that scent and that takes them, you know, all up and down the river. So by about the end of July, there are, you know, on any given day, I'll see 50 to 100 brown bears. I'm not talking like 50 different sightings. I'm talking 50 different bears. And um, by about August, the salmon start laying their eggs and they start to die off. So at the end of August... The bears are starting to get a little more territorial. They're getting feisty. They're putting on pounds. They're they're packing weight. They're on the gain strain. By September, <laughs> there's less less salmon around, so they start to get way more territorial. Oh my! And one of the places that we fish is called the Cami Shack. The Cami Shack is connected to the western southwestern side of bristol bay bordering iliama lake and it connects to the ocean so these fish these silver salmon come in straight from the ocean it's very hard to get to you got to take an airplane you got to land on the river you got to go straight from the airplane to the boat guests get right off on the boat and we whisk off on our journey so i get these guys up and at them we're in the boat by 720 the sun's coming up we get to our spot i'd been there the day before i knew the fish were going to be there we get there 20 minutes in these guys have their limits it's uh three fish per person so you know that's six silver salmon each salmon's about 12 to 15 pounds i mean they're they're really great fish they're good fish they're beautiful chromed out they're just healthy you fillet them open and they're bright orange i mean it's it's an orange unlike anything you've ever seen Mm, just got hungry yeah, me too. <laughs> so in that spot, there is a brown bear who I have seen before. Now, can, I've had some issues with them. Can I ask you a question yep. real quick? Is a brown bear the same thing as a grizzly bear? Great question. So a grizzly bear is a brown bear that's closer to coastal waters. Okay. Brown bear is more of an inland bear. It, it kind of has a different habitat, a different a different diet, all sorts of stuff. Okay. They, they, both, they both still have these massive claws that come out of their <laughs> Yeah, they got jaws about that big. You know, both <laughs> both can kill you in yeah. less time than it takes to blink. Mm. So in this specific spot, I knew there was this brown bear. I've had problems with him before, but I've never had a problem with him like I was about to have. <laughs> so it may be 8.30 in the morning. I've got the jet boil going. The fish are on the stringer. We got the fire going like we're we've made camp the sun's coming up over the mountain fantastic right yeah the bushes <laughs> behind me start rustling i'm not i'm not dramatizing this i literally mean the bushes behind me start moving trees are moving bushes are moving trees he says Literal trees. <laughs> and the way that i had the boat positioned was the boat was kind of beached up on the the bar there and i had the fish on a stringer in the water so i've got six fish on a piece of paracord underneath the water hanging in the current behind the boat. Nice and cold. Nice and cold. But what I had also done was when the fish are brought up on shore, you cut the gills and you bleed them so that blood doesn't stain the meat. 
So the oils of that, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're picking up on them. That oil factory on that bear, and pretty he, serious. He was picking it up. So the next thing I know, myself and my two guys, um, I'm by the boat and they are 20 and 30 feet away from me on the other side of where this bear is going to come from. So the bear comes out, right? And he's 80 yards away. He's a steamrolling, I mean, full on sprint. I've never seen run like that before and he covers if he was 80 yards away he stops at like 20 yards and he he covered that in two seconds and he's full on he's full on coming i'm thinking like i've got my i've got the 10 millimeter right here it's out i'm thinking it's about to go down so he halts to a stop and when i say he halted to a stop i mean he stopped at 20 yards and he ended up like stop stopped at 15 yards I and mean, he skid for for five yards that is so close. And he bears do this thing where like, they're like big dogs. You can kind of read the personality, like a dog, like when it's timid, it kind of like looks away from you. And like, it doesn't want to look at you. Bears do the same thing. If they don't want anything to do with you, they ain't going to look at you. Hmm. If bear wants to eat you or he wants to eat something in his vicinity. He's got this like bird dog, like look at you. And this specific hmm. bear was kind of like a bodybuilder, like hunched up, like looking at me and he was foaming at the mouth and he's oh literally coming oh, out of his mouth. His, his dad, dad sitting over here next yeah. to you like oh my god this is god. one of those stories you don't tell mom until like months months <laughs> <Yes>. later <laughs> take the words out of my mouth if ever and she's if not ever. here yet so we're gonna we're gonna finish this before she gets here <laughs> and so he's looking at me and, I, and there's two very different responses from my guest one one guy was laughing and had his phone out and he was like oh this is awesome yeah that's the a other guy, guy on instagram <laughs> yeah that's right the other guy had thrown his rod down and was running down the gravel bar. And he's like, you know, he's, he's looking back. He's like, I'm out of here. So I get the one guy behind me. I had the 10 mil. It's ready. There's a whole list of things I won't get into, but like, I can't just point my handgun at that bear and pull the trigger. Like mm -hmm. I have to have a, I have to have a reason. And yeah. I did not have a reason. And he wasn't even close enough. He has to be close enough for my firearm to discharge powder on his face. Right. That's what keeps me out of prison. So he's looking at me, he's filming. I've got adrenaline pumping through me like I've never experienced before. I'm thinking he's about to charge. And he stops and he sniffs, he stops, he sniffs, he's looking around. And then we kind of do this dance for like 10 or 15 seconds where he's trying to figure out like, what do I smell? And he like snaps his head and he looks at the boat and he sees the fish like kind of waving in the water. The sun's kind of hitting him so that there's the silveriness reflecting under the water. Mm. And that boy, I mean, he went over to that boat and jumped in the water and grabbed one of those fish and it was it was locked through his gills so he's he's thinking like why is this fish not not coming out of the water so he's moving and shaking the boat is thrashing i mean he's it is like the power unlike anything i've ever seen before rips this fish off he looks at me he's got it hanging out and takes off in the bushes so i was really like appreciate it bro i was like hey, yeah that's cool, man. that wasn't me you know we got to catch another one I have this innate feeling that, you know, he's, he's going to come back. Like that's free food. So I tell my guys like, Hey, you know, watch out. He's probably going to come back. So sure enough, we kind of moved down the beach. He comes back two and a half minutes later, grabs another one, except this time he goes in, rips the whole stringer off and takes the entire stringer trailing behind him into the bushes to at which point I was like, all right, guys, like, you know, we, we got to go catch the fish to restock our limit, but we're not going to do it here. So <laughs> it was very evident play that those bears can cover distance. Unlike anything I've ever seen. And they're, wow. they're really powerful. Their senses of smell are unparalleled. Um, 
very thankful that I have a 10 millimeter, but I did not have to use it. So glad you didn't need to use that, man. Wow. What a story, man. I mean, I would, I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I've never been in that kind of situation. I feel like I'd be like that guy. Guy number, number two. two that was running down the creek. He's getting <laughs> deuces, <Yeah>. bro. <laughs> I've just never been around a uh, that kind of a big animal like that. I mean, unbelievable story. To, hey, and props to you for keeping your cool and your composure under that situation, man. You were a good guide. Thanks. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely important. I've learned um, how how I respond is how my guests respond. Mm. I've seen guests from, I've seen guides from other lodge, excuse me, um, respond very poorly in those situations and it goes downhill quickly. And I've, I've had to intervene with other guides from gout lodges. I don't know because they reacted so poorly to help get mm. them and their guests out of a bad situation. So I've learned if you keep your cool nine times out of 10, they're not going to mess with you. If you do stand your ground and if you do show that you're not going to be intimidated, but I am always prepared for that one out of 10 situation. I hope I never have to do so, but hopefully, you know, we do okay. Your guests respond how you respond. I like that. Yeah. Makes me think about parenting too. Like that's I, the first thing that came it, to my mind, Brad. Yeah. Like I think about when my, when my kids fall down, you know, and they, they like, they, they have a pretty good fall and it depends on how you respond to that. They fall down as to how much they're going to cry or, you know, like it's exactly the same thing. Like that's not a, that's a, that starts early. What do you, what do you guys say about that, Charles? Well, if you've seen any of Charlie's social media, <clears throat> some of these videos show up on there and the, 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 the bears are, the bears are really close and they're really big and, and TV and video does not do it justice. They are massive. They're thousand, 1200 pounds. Their paws are the size of your I mean, so yeah i've seen guys like pictures of guys hold up like the paw of a bear right. it's like the width of their chest not right? a, it's not it's not something that we have any context for they run 35 or 40 miles an hour um i pray he never uses has to use his 10 millimeter if he does i pray that he empties it shoot straight <laughs> often shoot straight <laughs> uh and i'm not you know i mean I, i'm not wanting to frivolously, you know, get in a contest with a bear. I just mean mm. they it's their it's their world. We are visitors in their land. Yeah. And um so I think it, it, Christy and I were out there for three weeks this at the end of the season and we kind of got to see everybody and hang out with them and you know, spend time in their world and see how and how they operate. And the thing that you can't, the thing that you can't bring to a podcast or thing that you can't bring to TV is that when the salmon come in, they come in by the hundreds of thousands. And then the, the, the state of Alaska will quantify the, the Alaska run by the millions. I think last year it was 50 something million. The year before it had been 80 something million. That's a lot of fish. Well, those fish are coming in to to spawn, to lay their eggs, and they're not going to turn around and going back to the ocean. They're going to die. So all of those fish die in the river where they spawn. And Charlie can explain it far better than I, but when they do, then all of them float to the surface and they 
then make their way back to the ocean um, through floating down the river. And so you're you're in the water fly fishing, doing whatever you're doing, and there are a hundred fish, dead fish, bumping up against you as you're standing wow. in the water. It's a weird thing. Hmm. Smell of the smell of dead fish permeates your world. Yeah. And then so you can look at a bank, and I have pictures on my social media that you can look at a bank and there'll be five thousand dead salmon. And they're all 25, 30 inches long, 32 inches long, whatever. I don't know. Dream fish, you know, for somebody to catch, right? right? <laughs> so it's a world that, we, that you know, we in our sanitized worlds don't have a context for this. But it's a, you know, I think what's the, the Alaska motto, the last frontier? It is. And we don't, Yeah. you know, we go out there thinking, oh, I'm going to go fly fishing in some whatever, blah, 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 and take some pictures and put it on Instagram and, it's a it's a different world and so i have a after having been there i have a great admiration and 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 respect not only for charlie because i got to see him do what he's really good at and i know i'm his dad but he's really good at what he does and the other guy will tell you it's like it's the thing like he's really good but all of them are really good and they're not just good at like the fish part, because the fish part, you know, you can kind of figure out. You got to learn how to read the water. You got to know the color of the bead or the color, whatever. And, it, you know, you got to know where and how and when and t the, the whole thing. But then you got to navigate bears stealing, <laughs> stealing your limit. You got to you got and then you got to navigate clients who. You know, they're, they're paying a lot of money to come out there mm. and it, it's not inexpensive. And I get that. And but many of them are extremely wealthy in the in the billions and they're used to having people do what they tell them to do when they tell them to do it because they tell them to do it and they don't really give you an, an explanation why and so all of that is going occurring in a really wild place and so christy and i were there for three weeks and i just i left with a real i left with a real admiration from reeves and his logistics and all that he did to help the the lodge run and function because without guys like reeves they don't get groceries they don't get yeah. mail they don't get meat they don't get propane they, they get zero because there's no there's no line coming to the island mm -mm. everything is brought in on either barge or float so it is a massive logistics thing to function at a really high level and then you bring these guys in and, and Charlie and his team and Jeff and all of those folks who who create this experience for these people. And they do it. I think, you know, the season's 120 days long. And I think Charlie was on the water either 114 or 111 last year. Wow. And that's. You know, I, 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 I knew we got we spent three days on the water with Charlie and there have been times in my life where I've thought. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively fit. I'm relatively strong, you know, whatever. Okay. I'm not, I mean, it's just, I, I feel like I have been, but after having been with him on the water, I can't do what he does. I, I physically cannot do what he does. There was a day, I'll, give me 30 seconds, then I'll shut up. There's a day when 
we're in the water and he's trying to, he's reading the water and he's telling me the fish are over there. They're in this little ripple and you got to learn to, you got to get, you got to throw it over there. So all of my limited fly fishing ability, I'm throwing for all I'm worth and it, it's ugly. And imagine Indiana Jones. That's kind of what we're working. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ugly. Okay. I cracking that whip, baby. It's ugly. I mean, it's bad, but I'm, I'm trying to get it there now. I'm not making excuses, but I'm kind of making excuses because 18 months ago I had back surgery and I'm, I'm much better, but my mobility is not what it once was. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not flexible. Like, yeah, I'm whatever. Okay. So, so I'm in the water and the water's about, you know, rib deep. And oh, y'all are, are in there. I can't, I cannot physically stand. Okay. It's waist to rib somewhere in there, you know, whatever. I okay. can't physically stand in the water that I'm standing in and maintain my balance because of all of the volume of water that's pushing me down river. And Charlie's telling me, just throw it over there, dad, just throw it over there. You know, and, and I, <laughs> just that easy, throw it in there. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> and, and when he realizes I'm having trouble, it was really cool. He's, he's standing down river of me kind of trying to give me instruction and he's really good at that. I'm not, he's not, you know, it, it's a sweet thing for, for me to be sitting, he's trying to help me, but he's down river. In the meantime, he's down river with the raft tied around his waist. Christie's in the raft. And so the river is pulling on the raft, which is pulling on him. And he's trying to give me instruction and he realizes I'm having trouble. So he walks around me in front of me to like, you know, block the river. And he says, Hey, just, and, and he kind of does a thing with his leg where he sort of plants it in the river. And he says, Hey, just put your foot on mine. Hmm. I mean, seriously, I'm standing in the river in Alaska and my son is blocking the water. And he says, Hey, just, just put your foot on mine. That'll break. Good night. And I did. And to my credit, I caught a toad of okay. a 24 and a half inch <laughs> trout. No, it was a monster. I mean, it was old massive. It was this big. <laughs> he did. All by catch, yourself. But, but <laughs> he got smoked by one that I'm pretty sure that thing is still swimming. I, I look. How big I, was that one in there? I got. I got totally undressed three times by three, all the way into my backing. Oh my god! By three different trout. I mean, it was, it was horrible. And I, I about lost my collective poop somewhere there on the river. Um, and I might even see me said some words that I'm not going to say on this podcast. But then I figured it out, and we ended up catching some fish. So that's awesome. How cool is that? I mean, oh, gosh. I, I mean, I'm I just that. It. That's. It was a really cool day on the river for me. I just, it was, it, I will not soon forget it. Wow. Yeah. I, I think about just the, the amount of water that is moving on a, on a normal stream, you know, not, not Alaska, you know, in the lower 48, mostly the lower, like Southeast United States. And that's a lot of water. You get up there where everything wants to kill you and even the water and to be able to do that, man, Charlie, that's really cool, man. Thank you. I know that's a, and, 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 you know, Brad and I, we've had really great experiences with guides before and we've had very bad experiences with guides. 
Mm. And I tell you what, man, the guide is the face of the the, the outfit. The guide mm. is the face of the lodge. Whatever it is, you're you're the one that people are going to remember. And the fact that you're going above and beyond for these guys and and, and men and women, uh, you know, that's what they're going to remember. And so, props to you, man. Great job. I know. I know you're. Um. I I would love to experience it firsthand, man. Mm. I think the thing that sets Charlie apart as a guide is. Well, one of the things he told me when, before we ever got to Alaska, he was like, you got to leave your ego and your pride, your bad pride, because it's okay to have a little bit of pride, but your bad pride in Florida. Because when you get out there, if you have an ego or an attitude, guys will jump on it. And the thing that's so cool about Charlie and the rest of the guides at um, Rainbow River is that they will treat their clients just like Charlie treated my dad and my mom in the water. Like, yeah, there's a different level of love, but there's like, it doesn't matter who you are. They're going to make sure you get back safely and in one piece and they will do whatever it takes selflessly to make it happen. Mm. I think that when you see the bad guides or the guides that um, handle bears badly is when they don't have their ego in check mm -hmm. and it's about them and like oh look at me i'm some cool alaskan river guide if you ask charlie what his job is he's just say i'm just a fishing guide that's all i am mm -hmm. nothing special it's kind of cool okay it's really cool <laughs> reeves mm -hmm. what um you know your time in alaska yeah i think your dad said it on um on Instagram or something, he, he said that you came back a, a different man. Um, tell me a little bit about that. How, how did Alaska change you? Well, first off, I grew a beard. You did grow a beard. I almost didn't recognize you. I mean, the hair was the same. It was still really high, but, um, yeah, yeah the beard was there whenever I saw you in, in August. I, if I'm honest, I don't really know how to put it into words and how I changed. Um, and I'm not like, totally different person. It was more like certain parts of me got solidified or clarified and other parts got cut. Um, I don't really, I don't really know how to describe it, but I, it, it was a common reference between my boss and my dad and whatnot. And they said, you came into Alaska boy and you left a man. And I think it's because of the respect that I earned for myself because I knew mm. what I had done very few people my age could do much less put themselves in a position to fail if they don't do it, which mm. I did both not to toot my own horn. I just, I, I like adversity and I like a challenge and I knew I had Charlie there to help me if I messed up somehow. I, I just kind of learned to walk in my own shadow versus somebody else's mm. if that makes sense and step out from the role of being the baby or the youngest in our family of really awesome godly men who a lot of people should aspire to be and i'm learning to become like that uh, let me say one thing i i knew i knew alaska was doing something in reeves reeves is of, of all of us Reeves is our extrovert. He's always thinking five and seven steps ahead of all of us. When, even when he was younger, 
when we would be at a restaurant as a family and we can't get the check, Reeves disappears, goes and find the wait, finds the waitress. The next thing I know, the check appears. So he's not afraid to just track people down and go. He can talk to anybody. He can he can figure out anything. He would. I'm I'm amazed at the logistics that run Amazon and whatever is the the mindset behind a company like Amazon or Fanatics or whatever that they you know this logistics thing matrix that they run. I think I think Reeves thinks that way. And so I was kind of curious to see how this thing in in Alaska was going to pan out. When he tells you it's an airport, yeah, that's not really just that's not, it's not really an airport. It's kind of a beach where these seaplanes pull up and and the water is about 40 degrees and oftentimes the wind is blowing 20 to 35 miles an hour. And when he says you have to catch the plane, well, that means you have to stop it from blowing, you know, down the beach. And so you're in waders kind of up to your waist. You're flipping the plane. You're helping the clients out. You can't feel your hands because the water's so cold. And then you're loading it up with all this stuff. And and you're doing that, you know, every seven minutes or every 30 minutes or every hour and a half or whatever the time frame happens to be um, based upon the logistics of who's flying and when and what 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 the what the clouds will allow them to do and i mean Hmm. and i called him one day and i said what are you doing he said well i'm filling up the propane tanks okay in my mind i'm thinking gas grill propane tank you know the joker that's like the 20 pound thing that you shove in the side of the and i said well that's no big deal he said dad these aren't these aren't like that and i heard him. these are not the three pound these are not the three pound no I heard him drop the tailgate on the truck and I said, well, how big are they? He said, well, they're taller than me. And they all, when they're full, they weigh about 200 pounds. Taller is an exaggeration. Maybe to my chin. They're tall. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a writer. (laughs) I'm allowed to exaggerate a little bit. Okay, whatever. They're five (laughs) feet tall. But am am I right? Do they weigh 200 pounds? Yeah. Give or take. That's what I always heard. They weigh 200 pounds. I never actually used and so Wait Reeves up. has been sent to town in the truck to fill up these things and then get them back and get them loaded in. So Reeves dresses out about at 165, 170 pounds soaking wet. And then when I heard he was, you know, handling six of these tanks, you know, uh, from fill up to truck to plane, I thought, okay. Alaska's doing something in him that's pretty good because it, it's not like he can. It's not like you can call for help. There's there is no help. There's you. Yeah, I didn't have service on my phone for two and a half months and Charlie four. So, no call for help. Man, I, no. I I saw. I feel like I saw a definite change when you came back. I felt like there was a confidence there in like your own skin. You know, it wasn't like you were doing anything to to um, gain the approval of other people, but you were doing the right thing for your own sake and you were doing, and you were, um, I don't know. It was a, uh, it was a noticeable change. Uh, and I, I really, man, I'm, I'm, I know your dad's proud of you, but I'm proud of you too, man. Thank you. Alaska is a, it's a strange place The you earn respect and merit there by simply earning it. Mm-hmm. You can't talk or, cuddle up to somebody and leech off of them. If you want something, you got to go earn it. And 
I had never experienced that before in my life. I had two older brothers that always took care of me or looked after me, or protected me, and same with my mom and dad. And I've had times in my life for weeks or two weeks, three weeks, or that, you know, I was by myself, but Alaska, two and a half months, definitely challenged that pretty good. Hmm. Let me let me add let me add one that's one thing and you y'all can go to whatever you want to go to but let me just tell you as a dad when Charlie first got hired he, he this is now his second year he'll go back next year obviously for his third I had some idea that it would be difficult not not only on the physical but in the like in the emotional like it, it, it's a long season and every week you have new people show up who weren't there last week and they don't know what you've done for the last three months and they don't really care, mm. nor should they. They're paying for the same experience that the people got the first week. Mm. And your job is to sort of suck it up and go do that. No matter what, you you, you know, no matter how tired. And so I just told Charlie as he left the first year and I told him again last year and not that my telling him makes it true but i'm just trying to you know king david said i've hidden your word in my heart so that i might not sin against you so if there's anything i can do to 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 hide the lord's word in their hearts when things get hard i'm praying what they'll pull from so i just pulled him aside i said look here's the deal jesus did not come to be served but to serve, mm. offer himself as a ransom for many. If you will go out there and somehow, by the sheer grace of God, figure out how to be that person, you'll be fine. Mm. But if you if you veer off of that, it's going to be a rough four months. And, and I think word. it's been it's been fun <clears throat> to watch. That doesn't mean he's done it perfectly. Lord knows he ha Lord knows he has his stuff. He gets it from me. I got my stuff. You know, welcome to planet Earth. But it was fun for Christy and I to go out there at the end of the season, and and to hear the stories of how that had been true in other people's experience with Charlie, and also how that had been true in other people's experience with Reeves. It was fun. I met people and they're like, oh, you're Reeves' dad? I love that guy. So it was fun. We we bumped into people everywhere and, and they're like, I don't know Charlie, but you're Reeves' dad? So that was a lot of fun for us. Not going to lie, it was pretty cool. There was a couple times where I'd, I I was part of the team that would help unload the clients from the planes and whatnot. And uh, Charlie at some point in the week, every now and then would mention me and how we were brothers and people would get off the plane be like you look like one of our guys are you reeves oh my gosh you're charlie's brother yada 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 <laughs> and they just they they like to remember charlie there's something about it that's good man what um two things i i don't want to breeze by this because i find it interesting so when you guys spend time up there vastly different than florida where you live right a totally different part of the world literally not just the country but like it's another part of the world um so a whole new culture different people different beliefs you know, everything that comes with the way of life up there that you have to earn but also different cuisines 
what was uh what's a what's a meal you you had in Alaska that you can't have uh you can't have in Florida or or anywhere in the lower 48 uh two things come to mind at the lodge we'll do a moose chili moose chili's really okay. good man it you know it it is harvested less than 50 miles away you know it's fed fed 20 different families that one moose has been spread and the love has been shared you know it's it's really cool how that all happens out there and we had moose chili which is super great and then on that same river the cami shack i was talking about myself and my one of my favorite guides out there jeff and i will do a, a silver salmon pan seared nugget sandwich and it's super special man it's Mouth watered. He had me a nugget sandwich. Nugget sandwich. I mean, just give me a nugget. I'll I'll take a nugget sandwich any day of the week. Let me give you the fifteen second breakdown. It's toasted hoagie bun with a little bit of aioli and horseradish, caramelized onions, some pan seared panko fried silver salmon that you just caught twenty seven and a half minutes fresh out of the water. Playing a little bit of lettuce. And if Let's you want, if you're feeling spicy, some hot sauce. I mean, obviously. Let's go. <laughs> right now. I want it now. I want it in my belly now. Yeah, That's awesome. belly. <laughs> I actually have That's a really, good. really funny video. I'm in the process of, you know, actually not flying. I'm cooking the salmon. And there was a mom and a bear comes and takes yeah, it. A mom and three cubs <laughs> came out of the bushes. And I'm cooking, and it's like, you know, I look to the salmon, and I pan towards her, and she's looking at me, and they're walking this way. I just go back, and that's it. That, that, they were coming in for lunch, you know, and it just isn't normal. Charlie, Charlie's on the grill again. Here's a nugget sandwich <laughs> waiting for me. <laughs> I think I'll go take it. Hey, Charlie, go, go easy uh, on the aioli this time. <laughs> yeah, right. Doesn't really agree with me. Oh, man, I love it. Now, on a serious note, this is something I really, really want to hear from sort of all three of you, but um, there's a lot being said right now in today's culture, in today's world, trying to answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? Um, What is biblical manhood? Charles, how do you answer that question? What is biblical manhood and what does it mean to be a man? Hey, Reeves. Hey, what you got? You want me to go? No. How long? How long is that? <laughs> oh, oh, oh! What time? It's the over under. Over under. I'm saying eight minutes. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go under seven. <laughs> Let me. Manhood is bestowed. It's just. Mm. It's bestowed. Mm. It's a mantle placed across somebody's shoulders. Ordinarily, it happens father father to son, but it can also happen mother to son. And I don't want to shortchange that because there are a lot of beautiful single mothers out there who bestow manhood to their boys, and God bless them. Yep. But I, I almost wonder if that's not a little bit, and forgive me, I, I, hear my heart in this. It's a little bit, it's like the second question. The first question is, what do we do? Like, why am I here? What's my role? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why did God put me on planet Earth? 
Now, being a man is an expression of that, but the first answer is really simple. Jesus said it a bunch of times. He said, follow me. And so my prayer for me and my prayer for my our prayer for our boys has been, Lord, your command is really simple. It's follow me. Would you just please show us, d- despite all our faults, despite all our failures, despite all our junk and all our baggage and all the places and times that we don't hear you and we don't see you, would you just please show us what it looks like to follow you? Like, what's the next step? Mm. Tell me where to put my foot. And somewhere in there, the Lord will grow us into manhood. But I don't think that's the, if you give me the choice at following or chasing manhood or chasing my Savior and asking him, Lord, I, I, this is what I want to know. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the New York Times. I don't care about movies. I don't care about 26 books. I don't care about nothing. None none of that matters. Where do I put my foot in following you? Mm. Because if Mm. I get someplace that you're not, what does the rest of this matter? So as I've, as we, Christy and I, have prayed for our boys and tried to raise them in the love and admonition of the Lord, our prayer has been, Lord, it's just, it, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of noise, a lot of static. None of that really matters. The command is follow you. Where are you? Right. What's it look like for Charlie? It's been to follow him to Alaska. Hmm. For John T., it's in music and carpentry. For Reeves, we're still t- trying to figure that out. But right now it's in Birmingham at Sanford studying finance and spending the summers in Alaska. Hmm. For, for me, it's, you know, writing so that's been my prayer for uh for me for them because what it would just be really cool to be in a place in a time in a job a vocation and an exercise of gifting and know that i know that i know that this is where the lord led me period and i can just be there and i can be present with him i can be present in that place i can i can just offer my gift that's under eight minutes reeves yeah you got it in four charlie wins (laughs) (laughs) that's not a new thing by the way i I love i love him we just love giving him a hard time that's That's what what you do he's giving a dad speech we've always bet the over or under Anyway, I'll take it on the clock. I'll take it every day, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. Charlie and Reeves, um, what have you guys learned from your dad about what it means to be a man? How to love your wife and be a really, really good husband. I think the way I thought about it, and even driving over here to his house today, my wife and I are walking through some things that aren't, aren't bad. They're just challenging us in good ways and we're we're having to walk through some things for the first time but like being a man doesn't mean having really awesome dangerous encounters with bears that doesn't that's not what makes me a man that that's just me walking and gifting what what's a what being a man is is coming home after that 
to my little 200 square foot cabin and ask my wife, Hey, how are you doing? And, and checking in with her and, and being honest and transparent and telling her about my day and telling her about my frustrations and my fears and, and loving her and connecting with her and then coming home and championing her and being her biggest fan, even when we're frustrated with each other. And I've learned all of that from, from just watching my dad interact with my mom and they have a beautiful, beautiful marriage and they have always been each other's biggest cheerleaders, even when it may not be the most easy or convenient thing to what they want at that present moment. They choose to walk alongside. And oftentimes my dad is really good at not often always. He's always the one walking forward in front of, and I've always admired that. And for me right now, it's just being a man is loving my wife with the eyes that Jesus sees her with and praying that he gives me his eyes for her and loves her the ways that she needs to be loved by me and removing my, my filth, my impatience and frustration, frustrations from the equation. I, uh, I am. Do y'all have a women about twenty year old audience on this podcast at all? Because I'm single. So if so, I'd love to know how to walk, man, with girlfriend. I haven't learned that part yet. Man, I've I've put you in a home group. You know. Yeah. You got some. You know. Brian's doing his best, <laughs> doing his part. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, what I've learned about being a man is ever since we were kids my dad our dad has prayed over us um, that we would have a heart like king david someone who is uh, completely and utterly selflessly devoted to the lord who picks up their cross and dances naked in front of thousands of people in worship mm. to the lord absolutely no regard for their own image um, because the only thing that matters to them is what they're, what our heavenly father thinks about us. And as a 20 year old in a university with a lot of strapping, strong, good looking dudes with some really pretty young ladies, it's really hard for me at times to walk in that and to just be Reeves, son of God, son of Charles Martin, just doing my own path. And in Alaska, that, I started figuring out how to be confident in myself and in my own skin and still not there fully, but um, just being a man to me is honestly pretty much everything that society is not doing hmm. these days. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, just young King David, modern King David is just what I try and be. I mean, you talk about that um, op the countercultural to society. Earlier, you talked about dead fish going with the flow. <laughs> yeah, that's where yeah. the dead fish dead fish go with the flow. Yeah. The fish who are alive fight the flow. And your enemy is prowling around like a roaring bear, looking for someone to destroy. That's what else do you need? They're not going after those dead fish, are they? Mm -hmm. They want those live ones that are uh, still got that's life right. in them. Man. Mm. 
we've we've brushed the topic a couple of times, Charles. But as a as a dad, I mean, I saw you like sort of cringe as Charlie's telling the story about this near death experience with a bear, sending your boys off to Alaska. I know that's a challenge. Um, and then what you talked about, you know, as what is biblical manhood and bestowing that that mantle on these boys. What does that look like for you as you've as you've walked with these? your boys becoming men, what does that, um, what does that look like? Well, cause I love that. I love that quote that, that manhood is, is bestowed. It's not something that you, you become, but it's something that that's placed on you by a, a father, uh, and a mother or just a mother. Thank for, thank you for saying that by the way, cause there are a lot in, in my church. I, we have a lot of ladies that are, that are single moms and I'm so blown away by what they do. So right. I really appreciate you saying that, but what does that look like? Christine, I prayed a long time and have prayed and continue to pray that the Lord would, that the Lord would pour into his, pour into our boys, his giftings, the giftings that he has planned for them. And we pray that he would give them a double portion. I know you all have asked me about that. And I, I pulled that from my Elijah and Elisha. Mm-hmm. And Elisha says, would you, would, want you, would you give me a double portion of your gifting? So I know it's biblical and I know God honors it. So I've just asked him for it. And I said, would you please pour into our boys a double portion of the gifting that you have for them? And then if and when you do that, would you please allow them to live out their lives in the expression of that gifting? And I know my father and he's a good father and he gives, he gives good, good gifts and he does not frustrate his children. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't, but the father mm-hmm. does. So part of the challenge for Christian eyes folks has been to encourage their giftings and then let them live in that gifting, even when maybe we don't understand or we have questions or we don't think it fits or, you know, learning to keep our mouths quiet or whatever. And it's been a lot of fun to watch Charlie go to Alaska. Like I, I had no idea what it would do for him and mm. in him and to him and through him. And then I get out there and I'm blown away. Same thing with Reeves, same thing with John T. It's the, the, the problem we have as parents, and th- this is, The problem we have as parents is fear. I'm fearful that my children will not become what I intend for them to be in my heart, which means I've just made them an idol. Mm. Mm. And so I work really hard to control the circumstances of their lives and I can become a helicopter parent and, and, and control everything so that little Johnny doesn't bump into the rough realities of the world and he never learns the lessons of how to load six 200 pound propane tanks by himself because nobody's going to come help him. Mm-hmm. Christy and I have just had to pray, Lord, we prayed Psalm 91 over our children since they were born. Lord, they're yours. You gave them to us. You love them more than we do. Would you please command your angels concerning them and protect them? And as they're living out their lives and the giftings that you've poured into them, would you just walk with them? Scripture also says that Job rose every morning and he made sacrifice for his families in the event that his children sinned against God. So we pray and we ask, Lord, where our kids are messing up, where they've sinned against you. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. Would you, in your grace and in your mercy, would you forgive them? 
Would you walk with them? Would you show them a true picture of themselves in relation to you? And would you stir their hearts with affection for you? So we, Christy and I don't have parenthood down. We don't have a monopoly on parenthood. If we've done anything right, we've just prayed for our kids and we've brought them to the altar of the only one who can do anything about anything. And his name is Jesus, period. <laughs> Amen. And so we continue to bring Charlie and Amy to his throne and say, Lord, they're, in, they're going to Alaska. It's not an easy world. My son is in the land of bears. Would you, would you please watch over my boy? Hmm. Really? We pray that for all of them. You know, we pray it for John T's gifting with music. Like how in the world does somebody as talented as he is find his way in a world that is so difficult and in some ways so messed up and in some ways so beautiful? It's a lot like saying, gee, I want to be a writer. There's no book. There's no path. There's no ladder. There's no way to go do that. And then there's Reeves and all of his beautiful giftings. And we pray, Lord, what is it that you want to do in Reeves? How do you, we don't, I don't know, Lord, but, but he's yours. I know you love him more than I do. And I don't know that you can love him more than I do, but I know that you do. So would you bless my boy? So that's just kind of, I, I, I don't, I don't want to work so hard out of fear that I control their lives. I want to offer them wisdom. And then I and we want to let them go live out their lives in the expression of their giftings. I don't know. Like anything other than that is me being a helicopter dad and a tyrant. Mm. They're not mm. going to like me. That That's no good. Let me offer you one honest confession. We, we have this farm. Um we bought a farm in central Georgia. It's, it's, we, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. There you go. I do not know what I'm doing. Uh, everything is twice as much as you think it's going to be. It, it takes twice as long as you think. And then there's twice as many, you know, it's whatever. Wait, you talking about Alaska or are you talking about a farm? I'm talking about a farm in Georgia. <laughs> oh, and, and, uh, and I was, we were there a couple of months ago and I'm weighed down with a whole lot of stuff and from finances to, vehicles that need service and just it, it i can it, you know there's there, there's a list a yellow steno steno pad of stuff that i'm thinking about and the boys are there hanging out with me around the fire fire pit and they're not thinking about the stuff i'm thinking about because i haven't shared it with them and i haven't shared a vision with them and i haven't brought them in and yet i lose my poop with them and blow up and get pretty angry so because of my fear mm. that I can't control the outcome. And if you really press me, my fear is I'm going to do something that means we don't get to keep this farm. So my farm has become an idol. Mm. You see a recurring theme here. Mm -hmm. And in, in, in my fear, I manifest anger and I blow up at my boys, primarily John T and Reeves. And then later at Christie and the Lord very graciously tapped me on the shoulder and he said, yo, dude, what are you doing? And he showed me my own fear and it was ugly. And I, I'm, I just, I just like, oh my goodness. So I just, 
I just gathered them all. I said, I'm sorry. I repent. This is what's going on. Your dad's afraid. There it is. I'm afraid mm. that I will do something and we won't get to keep this thing that I've spent my whole life dreaming about that I, I pray becomes something special to you guys. And so the Lord revealed to me, and I would not say that I'm a fearful person, but after having been through this over the last year, I've certainly been attacked by a spirit of fear. Fear is an emotion which God gave us, which can be good. Gee, that's a bear. You should run away. That's healthy. But then, yeah, also, two. <laughs> but then there's also a spirit of fear that capitalizes on our wounds and then wants us to control the outcome. So I'm not, I don't have the monopoly on this. I have, I'm not perfect. I haven't fixed all this. I'm not all of that. But in my parenting, I have seen in the last 18 months, I have fought a battle with fear and in many ways lost, and it has eaten my lunch. Mm. And as a result, I manifested anger and shouted at my wife and my kids. And it was ugly and not good. Mm. And I don't want to be that guy. And at the end of the day, there's it's a faithless person. That's A fearful person is a faithless person. A fearful person. Mm, yeah. The, the opposite of fear is the, the opposite of faith is fear. Mm. So if you don't have faith, you do have fear. And that was me. And it can still be. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, immune to it. So I'm just saying that as my in my in my role as dad, having seen this about myself, I don't want to be that guy with them and their giftings. And I don't want to let the fear of the the Alaskan world cause me to be a dad who robs Charlie and Amy of the beautiful gift that the Lord has given them. If the Lord's called them to Alaska, the Lord can dang well protect them in Alaska mm. a lot better than helicopter dad. So that's just a little bit of me at 54 years old, what the Lord's training me and teaching me. And honestly, I wouldn't have told you I'm a fearful person and I'm not, but I've been, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual and sufficient, mm. tearing down strongholds and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And I've been hearing a bunch of that. And so I take the word of God, which is like a fire. It's like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. And I've just been speaking it to myself. And if, if we lose the farm, we lose the farm. I don't think we will. But at the end of the day, even if we do, God is still good. Mm -hmm. Period. I mean, think about that when it's it's like you heard a soft whisper in the Lord saying, you know, kind of correcting you gentle, gently, you know, that perfect love drives out fear. You know, and, and that that small whisper, he knows how to deal with his children. He knows how to communicate with them. You know, I think about that, that, that all the time, you know, whenever I lash out at my children, when I lash out at my wife, it is fear. And. And my natural response to fear is to fight. And I can't live by my natural. I have to live mm. by God's supernatural. And and the response that I have to get into my life and I have to lay down at the feet of Jesus is I don't have to fight these battles. The battle's already won. I just have to trust. And gosh, man, that's, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that from somebody like you who's doing so good with your sons and so good with your marriage that I feel a little bit more normal <laughs> whenever I feel like I'm losing it and I've <laughs> screwed up and I've just blown it time and time again. That's, um, that's, that's re that's 
that's encouraging. Thank you for, for being so transparent with us. Absolutely. Yeah, man. What, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, um, the, uh, the farm. Cause I think the last time we talked, we asked you what your next adventure was and you were thinking about buying a farm somewhere in Georgia. Um, you know, we talk about fly fishing. We talk about these adventures, bears in Alaska. And, um, you know, by the way, was, was that your first time fly fishing Charles when you were out there? No, I, I've fly fished before, but that, that doesn't mean I'm any good at it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at it either. And I've been doing it for several years now. So if, you know, and, and your Reeves, did you, you fly fished while you were out there also, right? Yes, sir. But I'm even worse than my dad. It's bad. <laughs> uh, Charlie actually did put me on the first trout and I caught another one by myself throughout the summer, but I believe I only ever caught two fish and I fished probably 20 or 30 days. So that should tell you enough. Wow. <laughs> but you did pick up photography while you were out there. I did. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about these fly fishing and this photography and, you know, Alaska and, and the farm, you know, are there, what, you know, what's the next adventure? What are, what is on the horizon for you guys? Hmm. Well, eyebrow raise, a little subtle. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't even know what, I don't even know what to say. Reeves is like my final, my final <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm I'm going back to the lodge next year, um, in a little bit different role than I was in last year. A little more of a leadership position, which I'm very thankful for. I kind of have uh, a good bit of say in who we bring out to guide at the lodge. So I'm in the process of trying to find some guides who are good people first and foremost. They don't exactly have to be believers um, as much as I would love for them to be. It's okay if they're not. You know, we part of the beautiful thing about our lodge is most of us are believers and we do a really great job of just creating an environment where believers and non-believers alike, we just we just love people. We love people well mm. and yeah. got to be able to come out and love people. And, you know, you've got to be really fishy. We are hands down one of the most professional and excellent lodges in Alaska. So you got to be able to provide, but on the flip side of that, you know, I spent eight months here chasing redfish on the fly rod. So I'm growing my business and that's always neat to have people come down from Alaska and you get to see them in the off season here and see them in a different climate and a different, different perspective. And I think for me, it's about relationships. So I'm just, I'm pursuing relationships right now and trying to find good people and, uh, when people get on my boat, just love it on people. I would probably, I would say mine, I don't want to say adventure. Maybe next trial is going uh, um, in my senior year of college. And I have one last, one last summer really of like being a kid. Because um, after this, I enter, you know, the workforce and got a, start thinking about life term and um, not that i have to know but i'm trying to decide what path i want to take if i want to go the alaskan route like charlie and try and dig my heels in and um, 
you know, earn a place there and maybe make that a career long term or a couple of years or I, I don't know. Or on the flip side, not even go back and maybe try and get an internship somewhere here and pursue something in the corporate world. Corporate world. Um, and I don't really have any like clarity or vision on it or what the Lord wants me to do. So as of right now, I'm just, he called me to Alaska. He hasn't called me from it. He hasn't told me to leave it. So right now I'm planning on going back. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> going there. Nice. Charles, you just, uh, launched a, a book in the last few months called the last exchange. Um, it's phenomenal you should read it i know i've heard so many good things i just talked to my sister-in-law this last weekend about it she she told me cover to cover and she was like a few sentences in she was like do you want me to spoil it i was like absolutely just go ahead and tell me everything so it's like a 10 minute conversation and i was just like okay now i'm gonna read this thing it's um the the amount of things you're cranking out right now is phenomenal man i know that um god's really using you in some nonfiction things but also in some in some uh, in some fictional you know aspects like as you always are. But um, you know, is there a is there another book on the horizon for you that might be your next adventure? Yeah, let me put in a commercial for Charlie real quick. Okay. He was elevated to head guide, so he's currently trying to hide hit, uh, hire guides oh. for the Rainbow River Lodge in Iliamna, Alaska. They need another guide. So if you're listening to this and you want to go and 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 you love Jesus and you want to go spend four months in the greatest fly fishing place on planet earth. Mm. Some really phenomenal people. Um, <laughs> you should DM, Hard. you should DM Charlie and, and, and I don't know, put a link somewhere on here to his website or something. Absolutely. And we'll and, put it in the show notes. We'll do it. We'll do and, it man. and, and hit him up. Um, really it's a neat group of people. They are, I've been around some pretty stout folks mm. and to watch that, that those group of guides come off the water every day. They are men among boys. It's a pretty cool thing to watch. Mm. So, all right, that's enough of my commercial. Um, I put on the last exchange in October after I'd written the keeper series, I was really wrestling with what, what on earth do I write? And this, this story bubbled up in my mind and I won't go into it all and how, but Christy and I flew to Scotland and I bumped into this character named pockets in my mind. And so this, this character, this book became centered around a Scottish man by the name of Kelly McThomas pockets and Kelly McThomas pockets. So good. Oh, he's so he's, good. He's uh, <clears throat> a great, a lot of fun to write. Um, Maybe one of these days it'll be a movie. It'd be a great movie to to, to work on and to watch and all of that stuff. But this, um, I'm, I'm currently working on my eight. That was the last exchange was novel number seventeen. I'm currently working on number novel number eighteen. But in the last year, I got to write a book that I had been several years wanting to write. It's a nonfiction book on the cross, and it's a 40-day devotional that my publisher is going to put out in February of next year. It's called It Is Finished, Sweet. taken from Jesus on the cross to Telestai. It was uh, on the cross, Jesus says seven things, um, the second to last of which is it is finished. And so if, if the Son of God took off his crown, took off his 
priestly royal clothes, laid his diadem in the corner, gave his ring to his father, and took a swan dive out of heaven to end up here in a gooey mess and humbled himself, becoming a man, to ransom all of mankind, you have to ask why. Why? Because the problem is bigger than any of us can conceive, and none of us in 10,000 lifetimes could pay the penalty for our own sin. So God the Father sent his son on a rescue mission. And I thought I understood that. And then I sat down about a year ago to write a book on the cross and realized I really didn't. And the Lord led me back to the cross over about an eight or nine month period. Starting kind of my entry to it was kind of Galatians 3 when Paul says, Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was personally portrayed as crucified? Well, the church in Galatia is probably a spirit-filled church filled with eyewitnesses to the crucifixion. These people saw Jesus crucified. They were believers. They functioned in the gifts. And then something happens. If you look, if you read all of Paul's letters, he thanks God profusely for all the people that he's writing to, except one. That's the church in Galatia. He never thanks God for him. And by the time he gets to chapter three, he reams him a new orifice and says, who bewitched you? And the reason they were, he, he, the reason he does that is because they had taken their singular focus off the cross and they had put it on something else. Mm. And I know I have a tendency to do that. I know we as a people have a tendency to do that. And so I wanted to write a book that forced me, that focused me over a predetermined period of time, and in this case, 40 days, forced me to walk back to the cross and literally look up and see the stretched nail holes and the dripping blood and smell the urine of my naked Savior. And all those sweet little pictures of Jesus clothed are ridiculous because they shamed him and he was naked as the day he was born. And the Lord did a beautiful thing with me. It was it was the most difficult thing I'd ever written. It was also the most, most beautiful because what he did with me is I, and I primarily walked through the Gospel of John and, and the, the events in the life of Jesus and the Gospel of John, but I also walked through the other Gospels trying to, trying to fill in the narrative chronologically as best I can as a storyteller. And what the Lord did with me in that time and in that moment is he sort of peeled back the layer on the center that is me. You all think, okay, Charles is a sinner. Well, I know the truth of it, and it's much worse than you think. Mm -hmm. And the Lord in his graciousness allowed me to see as much of me as I could handle, and it was crushing. I, I didn't think I was that bad until the Lord like said, yeah, the problem is really that bad. Because for you and I to doubt the depth of our own need is for us to mock the cross. Mm -hmm. Because if we think for one second that the problem is beyond our ability to solve it, then Jesus has come in vain. So the Lord showed me the depth of my own need and showed me the really the only thing I bring to the cross. Isaiah said all of our all of my righteousnesses is filthy rags. Those are used menstrual products. That's all I bring. All I bring to the cross is the sin that causes me to need it in the first place. So the Lord allowed me to see that. But then we, John tells us that grace and truth or poured out on from Jesus. And so when we get the truth, it's wrapped in the packaging of grace. And so the Lord in his mercy and in his grace showed me how much he loves us, how much he loves me. And the scripture Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, 
He endured the cross and despised the shame. Despised the shame. I don't pretend to understand all of the joy that was set before him, but I know that you and I were a part of that. Mm. And so I, I, it was a beautiful thing that my publisher let me write it, that I had the time to write it, that I had the bandwidth to write it. It's the most difficult thing I've ever written. It's not next February. Uh, Christy's putting together a book tour for me that'll take me through three, take us through three weeks around all over the place. I'm pretty excited about it. It's, um, I told, I think I said this to Reeves. I said, son, if I get hit by a truck tomorrow and y'all are looking at what will by then be 20, 26 books and you can only keep one, mm. just keep this one mm. because all of them point to this one. Hmm. Well, I'm excited about that coming out. I hope that a book tour brings you close to Birmingham. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, he said. Oh, man. What a great, it's been such a good conversation, guys. I really appreciate y'all carving out some time to to sit with us and to share some of these stories um, from Alaska. Um, place I hope to get to visit one day. Maybe I can come up there and we can come up there and fish with you, Charlie. Of uh, seen you know seen lots of different you know everything wants me feels like I'm meant to be there. Um, got the beard. So I, I was yeah. about to say got the beard. Yeah. Charles, yeah, why I'm why ready. are mine and your beard so white, man? Well, you, you want to know why mine's white? <laughs> the, Reason number one, reason number three, reason number two is not here. Yeah, there we he's go. In this house, I think, but he's not in this picture right now. That's amazing. Well, don't be deceived. There, uh, there's some, there's plenty of strands in in this bright red beard. And if you do an audio book or your Scottish book, I'd love to do the reading for you. Oh, um, that's pretty good right whoa. there. That's pretty good. <laughs> I get my red beard quite honest. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. That's, I ain't gonna lie. That's pretty good. Um, it's been such a good conversation. And, and again, you know, Brian said it earlier, I really appreciate your vulnerability and modeling vulnerability. I think that's uh, something lost on today's society is a fear of being vulnerable and being honest. Um, and so I really appreciate you modeling that and, and being uh, willing to share that with us and just for you, you guys to, to share your stories with us and spend time with us. We really, uh, really appreciate, um, just this time with you sitting with you. And, um, man, I, I think about the idea of manhood being bestowed and that's something that'll sit with me as, as I raise my son. Um, I have a 10 year old little boy named Liam and, uh, as, as I, I walk with him, you know, how, what does that look like and figuring out what that looks like for him. And it'll be something that I, I walk away with for certain doing my best not to, you know, I talk about that at my church. I do family discipleship is one of my big roles here at the church and then, and then missions. Um, and so I talk to parents a lot of times about not parenting out of fear, you know, and, and that is a, a easy place for us to go as parents um, is to parent out of fear. And, you know, really the, you know, and you're right. Fear is, is, is not all bad because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all those who practice it have, a good understanding so there is a healthy fear in the fear of the lord and so how do we instill that into parents and and how do i daily remember that truth uh is a rich uh rich thing for this conversation i know it'll bless people and challenge people uh, maybe it'll want people to maybe you'll find some guides 
Charlie that'll, that'll be listening and maybe you'll find some clients too that are listening and come up and uh, come up and go experience uh, what you guys do in Alaska but uh, we hope that if anything this uh, conversation inspires people and encourages people to to share their stories like this and to write uh, write them down their stories down and share adventures in the place we love to call the storied outdoors Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store, and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information.